let's figure out how do we make our environment safer for us on all levels, um, whether that be our overall ecosystem or whether it be things like as simple as the choices you're making and what you're putting on your body and in your body. And I think if we can get other industries aligned with that, that that's a really big part of our mission. You know, going it alone is great and we're willing to do it, but we're all in the same boat. We're all suffering the same things from this. We need to fix it and we need to fix it together. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Lady Business Podcast Season 3. My name is Dina Nina Martinez, and I'm the founder of Lady Laughs Comedy. And my name is Heather Wentler, and I am the founder of Doyen. And if you're new to the Lady Business Podcast, we talk to women entrepreneurs and women who are badass in business. Season 3 of the Lady Business Podcast is recorded in quarantine via Zoom. So some of the quality may be a little bit different than what you expect of our podcast, but hey, desperate times call for Zoom. You can always find us on the internet at ladybusinesspod.com. On Facebook and Instagram at ladybusinesspod. And always when you're sharing, liking, and subscribing, make sure that you use the hashtag ladybusinesspod. Do you think we're a little repetitious? <laughs> How many touch points? Seven touch points. We're good. We're good. Okay, good. <laughs> also, please comment, review, and also share the Lady Business Podcast. Subscribe to the Lady Business Podcast wherever you get your podcast from, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Pandora. On this episode of the Lady Business Podcast, we talked to Tamara Meyer from Vibrant Body Company. I uh, love her approach to brassieres. Yes, I will say that I'm wearing mine right now. La, la. They are so comfortable and I love, you know, we get, as women, we get targeted ads so much for buy this bra. This is going to be the best bra you've ever worn in your life. This company has literally done its research and met with professionals from across the globe for how to create a healthy breathable bra that helps cut down the amount of toxins. And these are things that we don't think about. We're not told to think about um, toxins that are in the fabrics that we wear. Why would you ever think that? So let's get into the podcast. So on today's podcast, we have Tammy Meyer from Vibrant. I am so so excited to talk to you about your company. Tell us more about Vibrant. Likewise, uh, it's a very, very exciting uh, opportunity. It's a uh, a passion project for sure. It is the uh, nationally positioned clean first layer intimates for women. And when we what we mean by clean is it's it's a, a, a dirty little secret that about 1,200 chemicals are banned in other countries. Only 37 here in the U.S. And when lingerie and intimates sit on our most porous areas, we're very vulnerable. And I learned about the company through its founder, Michael Drescher. Uh, we met through a mutual connection. He started telling me about the company and having worked in the health industry, healthcare industry, and the food industry where you know, safety and um, you know, care and uh, well-being is front and center of our mission, it really caught my ear that I had never heard this before, the story about the potential dangers that are in what we wear uh, and Michael's passion for education and advocacy with product following as the solution versus the other way around, which I've seen it positioned on other products really drew me in. 
so it's a it's a fascinating company it's at its early stages and i think it's a very important one that's going to set the dialogue on on a very important women's health issue great. absolutely and they so look super comfortable <laughs> they are they're great and they actually do the job too because you know at first i went in saying i don't know you know sometimes you need the underwire we don't have wires uh, the construction is is really good. I mean, it doesn't feel like you're wearing a wire, but you also aren't losing the the support that you need and you expect in a bra. So it, it really hit the mark. And they've got a fantastic bra designer. She's one of the best in the world and just an amazing woman and really cares about this this company and the product and uh, and women in general. So it really makes for a nice fit for everybody. And I love the the uh, calling it a test isn't really the right word, but like the form that you fill out when you pick your when you go through the process of uh, getting your your uh, your like your virtual bra fitting, because mm-hmm. um, it, it it was funny. I'll just we actually so when we met with Tammy and Michael, uh, me and my team a couple of weeks ago or a while ago, we uh, all went and did it, and then we came back and we talked about like what did you do it yet? And we're like, I love how it asks like where do your boobs sit? Are you high? medium or low and mm-hmm. I said I had to ask my husband because I don't really know <laughs> and they were all like so it's a family adventure yeah. <laughs> yeah, you don't think about those things when you know you've, you've gone to like a Victoria's Secret or somewhere and all they do is put a measure around you and suddenly they have they have you all figured out it's a lot more complicated than that I've learned that in my experience with the company yeah, I was a I was a bra fitter in college. I worked at JC oh, okay. and I worked in all of the pretty much all of the departments. Uh, and one of the first ones I was in was lingerie, and so I went through all the bra fitting tests and everything, and then would do that. And it's a very intimate uh, <laughs> thing that you do. Um, and then I moved over to shoes, which was another very intimate thing. <laughs> Which was better? I actually preferred the lingerie area than the shoe department. I think that would be my pick too. Feet are gross. Uh huh. Pretty much. It's like that's a nice hammer toe you got there. Anyway, <laughs> love it. But I love that you guys have really done the research before you just went to market. Like, I think we see that mm-hmm. a lot of times people just assume like, oh, there's a million bra companies. I can just, I can just do that, but make it look different or make it feel different. But you guys have really spent the time on how to develop something that's actually specifically in, um, made for women and very safe for women. Yeah. And I think, you know, for us, the credibility, the, this, this project, you know, like we talked a little bit before the, um, the advocacy and the education and the product following as a solution, that really is the order that this went in. Um, Michael, this, this women's health is a near and dear cause um, to his heart, um, to mine as well. Uh, very personal reasons for everybody why they're interested in, in this issue. I think that, um, you know, going out and having a bra and saying, our bra is clean. You know, I've worked in the health claims area before. I'm an attorney, you know, worked with FTC claims. You know, we want to get it right. And we want to hold other people to a standard that's safe for women. And you can't do that if your research isn't done. If you come out with something that maybe is a little better than somebody else's or a little safer, a little more comfortable, a little bit less pressing on, on the lymphatic area, all kinds of things can come from that in terms of how you position your product. We wanted to come out 
wearing the white hat and saying, you know, we've done our, we've done our homework. We've spent a lot of money and time doing it. We've tested our product. We went for certifications. We want to open that dialogue with the industry to do the same thing because we deserve it as women and our consumers deserve it. And it's the right thing to do. And when you come from that place, it, it, it's, it's a, it's table stakes for us. You know, it's not a nice to have when somebody challenges that you're really clean. We're ready to go. We're saying we are, we know we are. And we have, we have empirical evidence to show that we are. And, you know, we want you to, to join us in this mission. And whether it takes a little time to do it, whether you want to, you know, we'll, we're happy to share dialogue with you. It's, very, it's a very different positioning than, than most traditional companies, which I really like. Yeah. And you're kind of in the spot where you're, you're launching right around the pandemic start. Mm -hmm. uh, so what has that experience been like, or have you had to pivot or rethink strategy already? You know, for us, I think probably the biggest pivot was, you know, this message is inherently scary, I think, for women. Um, when I heard it, I got scared. You instantly start thinking about, okay, what else am I wearing? Or, you know, how widespread is this? What we really don't want to do right now is have our message confused with something that's scary for women. Um, there's a lot of scary stuff going on, but people are also very focused on what's going in their bodies, how to keep their bodies healthier. There's a lot of interest that we've noticed um, sort of in this downtime when people are home in things that we're putting out on the internet. Um, you know, we're doing uh, a virtual happy hour with our bra maker. We're doing some education that way. We want to invite people to the conversation, not kind of clobber them over the head with the, the reality of why this product is here um, and have people understand it in a different way. So, so changing our tone a little bit has been important to, to me and, and to Michael as well. Um, and just making sure that we're being inviting on this conversation and not being something that women say, I can't hear another negative thing right now. So I think that's probably been, been the biggest pivot and also just really taking the opportunity when women are home braless I mean, you know, it's a running joke, you know, I can't say how many times a day I get something from somebody saying, you wear your bra, you know, it's a time to have that conversation about, yes, braless is the best thing you can do. We have a lymphatic system around our breasts. The more we're unconstrained, the better. We still have societal norms that say, you know, women are wearing bras. We feel perhaps more secure wearing our bra. If you can't go braless, we're the next best thing. So we wanna have that dialogue and introduce our product that way it's sort of a natural setting to do it when women are actually talking about comfort and being how much more comfortable it is not to wear a bra. We were able to come in and, and kind of contribute in a, in a light way to that conversation, which I've really enjoyed seeing that, that evolve and getting some engagement with people across all demographics about, about kind of a funny topic, but at the same time using that platform to tell women about, you know, take this seriously, what, what goes on you is actually in you. And it's, you know, without, you know, pressing alarm buttons, we're trying to just softly come into the dialogue, which is great. So that's been the biggest pivot in my mind. Yeah. And I think it goes, you know, I think it, it's a perfect timing because um, as we see more and more, even like the feminine hygiene products. So like mm -hmm. your, your, your pads, your tampons, um, the diva cups, or just the menstrual cups are becoming much more popular uh, for women to use and think, and it, it is literally not just what you put on your body, but what are you putting in your body from yep. all sides of your body? Yeah. I'm uh, starting yeah. to think about that. Well, you know, I, I was telling Michael, I said, it, you know, I, I think I first became aware of this issue a little bit more clearly when I remember shopping for products for my daughter and noticing all of the organics and cottons on the shelf. 
which, you know, even I would say three to five years ago, you, you just didn't see that. And there wasn't a distinction on that. And it made me go back and actually read in a little bit more about, you know, I come from the days of toxic shock where, you know, it was more, you know, of, a, of a, an incident versus a, something that you had to be worried about every single time you put a tampon in. Um, seeing that made me realize there, there's, there is definitely something here. And I'm just thrilled that there's awareness of this on all levels, cosmetics, um, you know, feminine products, everything that we're putting on our bodies is becoming something that we really should be measuring against safety standards. That's so true. Um, I'm really interested in how you are, how are you finding your audience? How are you targeting your audience? Are you just like, how are you doing that strategically? It's tricky. Um, I think that's probably been the biggest challenge and it's been the topic of a lot of conversation over the last month and a half because um, we have a product and we have a message and we have a mission that has wide appeal. But if you go too broadly, we're, we're going to lose people. I mean, there's, there's price point, there's awareness of body health. There's the difference between the way, you know, our bras look compared to, you know, the sex and candy bras that are coming out of some other manufacturers. So we're spending some time uh, with some marketing experts really digging in to where our sweet spot is, where, where we're estimating it is, is probably the late 30s to early 60s demographic, where women tend to be perhaps a little more tuned in with the you know, risk of breast cancer increasing, um, your health issues, um, taking a little more care of your body in a different way versus just what do I look like when I'm maybe a little more concerned about that in my 20s. Things shift a little bit. And I think that audience is probably the audience that's going to understand the message and probably be the one that goes, you know, woman to woman to many. So I think it's going to be a more of a non-traditional, not really a word of mouth spread, but, you know, a trusted advisor, a mother, an aunt, um, somebody who has been getting their, starting to get their mammograms every, every year, um, may see something come back on a mammogram. They tell somebody else about this issue and then the rest follows. So I think, I think we would be foolish to overshoot and try to be everything to everyone. There's a reality to who's receptive to the message and who can be, join our mission. And that's really the consumer we're looking for is not the consumer necessarily who just wants to buy the bra because it's more comfortable or it doesn't have a wire. It's the consumer who buys it because they're committed to our mission and they'll help us spread the word and that helps every woman. So um, I think that's probably been our, our biggest, you know, our biggest feat here is really zoning in on that um, because there are a lot of different messages that you could, you could bring with this product, you know, safety, comfort, yeah. um, you know, uh, lots of, lots of wonderful things about it, but you can't go all over and expect, you know, people to, to latch onto your mission. So the mission comes first uh, in this, in this quest. And I think that's probably the demographic that's most likely to carry it. I love so good. Yeah, you mentioned, um, you know, part of the reason that this became a, a passion topic or passion project for you was around shopping with your daughter. Mm -hmm. How do you see more with her or her friend group or her generation of this is something that's a little bit more focused than the, I mean, you talked to a little bit about who your target audience is, but how do we make sure that our girls who are just starting to have to think about these things, that it's something that they're tuned in and on? 
Yeah, and, and it's interesting. She's, uh, she's a college freshman. Um, she is very woke. I shouldn't be saying that because she'll laugh at me. Um, and she's been, she's been really intrigued by me coming into this role. And um, we've, been, we've been getting her views on things uh, as we go, sort of a mini sample. And she's helped us do some Instagram polls, uh, which is interesting. She thinks, and I, I do believe too, there is, there's a, a market there for sure. Um, I do think it's, it's these, are, these are women, young women who are likely to carry our message as well and help us advocate. And let's face it, they are the ones that are doing the influencing on social media and they know how to do it really, really well. So I think if we can, if we can you know, find the people who have the similar mindset about health and safety and wellness and help educate them, I think they can serve an incredible purpose for us because there's such a trust level, I think, among that generation. Um, when they find a trusted uh, source on, on uh, social media, they have a friend, um, they trust each other, they don't trust the company who's selling. And I, and I, I think that's smart. You should talk to other people. So I think having our message disseminated, and like I said, in a non-scary, embraceable way uh, that's meaningful for people and that will we'll let them jump on board with us, I think that's going to be what we need. But I think if we can get it you know, targeted to somebody and then have it cascade out, I think that's the way to do it rather than shoot it straight across. But we are fine-tuning our, our messaging um, to, to reach, you know, we're not sending out 50 question surveys to, to people in that generation. We're doing yes, no polls. Would you like to know more about breast health? Did you know that wearing a bra is safer than not wearing a bra? Um, did you know that your breasts can, you know, move back up if you don't wear a bra? There's all kinds of, of little things that we've been doing just to, to get awareness. We're getting good traction on that. So we're testing the waters there too, but we recognize it's a very important demographic. Your breasts can move back up. Actually, a muscle tone. Yes, your muscle tone changes. It actually adapts to not being constricted. It's, it, was, it was very interesting. I'm, I'm, I'm testing it a bit myself over the quarantine here. <laughs> I want to test it too because I just bought this. I bought this new shirt. I'm not wearing it today, but it's like I bought this new memory. shirt. Yeah, and it's got little hearts where your nipples are supposed to be, and I'm like, my nipples sit a little bit lower than that. So maybe I need to just like take my bra off and there you go. Goals. It'll all line up. <laughs> yeah, there's a, I, I was reading about it. They, your muscles actually, your pecs actually, the underlying muscles actually kind of adjust back up when they're not being forced into a support mode, which is really, really interesting. Huh. We've been sold a bill of goods. <laughs> that doesn't surprise me. I don't know if you watch no. a drunk, if you watch Drunk History on you yes. know, their version of the, the, the bra patent and how that all went down. <laughs> yeah. It was, it was definitely men. It was developed for men with an appearance that was, was for men. Absolutely. And, and Heidi, our bra maker, talks a lot about that. This was, this was a, a man industry for a long time. And frankly, up until you know, recently with Victoria's Secret, it, it clearly was, which is yeah. unfortunate. Hopefully that's changing. Mm. <laughs> I hope so too. There's a great book. Um, well, the, I don't know if you like the title. It's called 90s Bitch, but it talks about it talks about how in the 90s we tried to revolutionize the word bitch but again it came from the man telling us how to <laughs> how to revolutionize the word bitch yeah. but it talks about Fredericks of Hollywood and Victoria's Secret and even like Playboy and those types of things mm -hmm. how um the standard of woman 
changed throughout the 90s and just Mm -hmm. how products changed to fit and it really started in the 80s but really exploded in the 90s around it interesting yeah it's a good read good i'll read it yeah (laughs) so my whole thing over the last how many ever years is that i just want to be able to make enough to buy two new bras a year and have them not disintegrate and become completely worthless within moments Mm-hmm. Can you tell me how your product kind of would meet that? <laughs> yes, it's it's um, it is a higher it is a higher price point. Um, it, it you know it is up in the the sixties to 80, 80 range. Um, and it, but it it also takes into account the types of materials that we're using. It's a very it's interesting, um, and we'll make sure we get you a code so that you can you can try one. Um, it, the way it's constructed, it's extra heavy around the cup. So you'll feel, it almost feels like there's a wire. When I first, when I first felt it, I thought there was a wire. There isn't. It's just layers and layers of material sewn in. It's a really sturdy bra. Like I said, it's not your, you know, your Saturday night go clubbing bra. Um, it's, it's, the, it's the one you wear. It's your day-to-day bra. Um, but it's really, it's really, really well made. Um, we, we take a lot of pride in that. There's a utility patent on the design, which is also really interesting. I geeked out on that when I heard it as a lawyer. Um, that's, that's pretty interesting. And, you know, the materials are, are, are well sourced. Um, it's sturdy. It's not going to be your, your, you know, $25, you know, throw away one time in the wash type, type experience. They're definitely built, you know, they're built for power. <laughs> I love that. And as somebody who has been I have to wear an underwire or I have to have that support and those wires move and they hurt Mm -hmm. and then they Mm -hmm. cause pain so not having an underwire like I would I I still spend like 50 to 60 dollars on a bra um when I get them but having not having a wire to poke me and make me so uncomfortable that sounds like a freaking dream to me it's it's pretty amazing because I you know I I'm a I'm a double D girl and you know I I was skeptical I have to be honest when I when I first heard about the product I thought nothing nothing it's not a bralette it's in I went to instantly well is this is a bralette because that's not going to be something I can wear under a, a, a shirt to work um, and when I got it I was I was shocked that I got the lift that I got. But I don't feel like, you know, that feeling right on the side of your breast where you feel like it's pushing you in. I'm not feeling that. And I think that's where, for me, a lot of my discomfort came because I'd be spilling out a little bit and it's all getting smushed to the center. This mm-hmm. lets you... It but is it pushing takes, you in a little? It is. I've got, I've got contour, but it's, it's not that, that, that feeling like I'm getting something poked in my side. It's more yeah. of I'm supported from the band literally I'm feeling it right now where the band hooks in all the way up. So it's not like that little piece that's kind of is moving around. It's supported all the way through. And I think it's that consistency mm-hmm. that really makes a difference, but it lifts and contours. It's it. I don't look like I'm smushed because some of the, the bras I've worn without wires make me look kind of flattened out. Um, mm-hmm. I like my curves. I celebrate my curves um, and I like them looking a little lifted. I'm of that age where things are a little saggy. Mm-hmm. Um, and this, uh, it, it does the trick. And there's different types too. We have a smaller, like a demi cup, and then there's also a fuller cup. So it's just a matter of, I would highly recommend doing the virtual fitting. And we have a guarantee that if you, if it doesn't fit, you know, send it back and we'll, we'll get it. We are moving into larger sizes. Um, we, we've 
kind of we're still at the you know early sales stages so what we've been doing is really kind of monitoring what sizes are the most requested right now and then we will be moving into to larger sizes but i've been able to fit in you know at a 38 double d with with no problem we also make camis and and panties and things like that too so, so there's no, a nice it'll range still here, support but. me it'll still support my back fat when i pull it in uh, yes it will yes uh, yeah, the, the stuff, the, the chicken nuggets, as my daughter so affectionately calls them, I have no idea why. Yeah, I don't, <laughs> I don't have the, the stuff spilling over because the cup is all the way up here. Oh my God, amazing. Yeah, yeah, because I used to hate that actually more than anything else on the bra was that the, the side wire would push everything up. If your breasts start way over here, that's a problem. And even the ones that hide, that's you know have that extra panel, all it is is a panel of material. It doesn't do anything except neutralize it a little bit. This actually kind of gets it going this way and this way, so it's good. That's awesome. <laughs> We've been one of my, I joke about this, like the best, like the best part about being plus size, and is I can always pull my back fat into my bra. So that is one of those things that. <laughs> that I absolutely need is like to be able to, to be able to you know push it around and make sure that there's support mm -hmm. there I mean you'll get, you'll get it and it's, like you. I said you feel like you, you feel like the girls are being loved but they're not being smushed which I is love it. there's a big difference yeah <laughs> that's so cool so I know you guys have done the research so I feel comfortable asking you this um why maybe why do we have less restrictions in this country around what types of chemicals we can and can't use in our in our clothing or just in our products versus um, other countries? You know, I, I think um, it, it's probably, you know, and I've worked in, uh, I was at Kellogg, so I worked in the food safety area. Um, like I said, I've worked in healthcare. I think the way, and this isn't a slam on our country or our process, but I think the way things typically get changed, we have a lot of old large scale laws that come into effect because of an issue. And one I can think of is um, the flame retardant pajamas back in the, in the 70s when I was a kid. That was the, the you know, they were, they, I can't remember the ingredient they contained, but every mother in America went crazy when they found out that there was an agent in, in those pajamas that could cause cancer. And what you'll have is a, a kind of a legislative reaction. It deals with the issue, and then it may get modified throughout the years as more issues come. So there'll be a big, a big act, a food safety act. Let's take that for example. And people will add things to it, but it's not kind of a comprehensive, it doesn't start from a comprehensive view of health and wellness. It starts from the issue. And when I worked on issues in the EU in particular, I didn't see that that was the case. It was very interesting. It was a little bit more comprehensive about wellness. And they're like one of the big issues that I worked on at Kellogg's was um, uh, selling uh, cereal with sugar in it and the obesity issue. The food companies got caught in the middle of that. And when I went to Kellogg's, we had a very different position on that issue in Europe. And Europe was looking at it from the fact that, you know, our diets are relatively healthy. We do focus on wellness. We don't have the Disney-sized portions. When you come when you come here we have the mediterranean diet in many countries there is a there's more of a focus in my mind in wellness in some other countries and diet and other things that we fall a little bit behind on and then you couple that with a legislative regime that really is more reactive than proactive 
Um, and they, they tend to get, I mean, a lot of the issues that, that we dealt with came out of Europe, came out of the EU aligning around an issue and saying, we don't think this is right as a collective. Here, I think it's a, that reactive tone, it has to change a little bit. And I think one of our missions is to really get on the, the visibility screen in DC um, and start talking about this issue. I mean, I don't know if you guys are aware, but um, uh, the Delta uh, flight attendants, the uh, toxic uniform issue, it's gotten a little bit of media. I, I urge you to look it up. Uh, very interesting issue. Uh, the materials in their new uniforms, have these really stylish purple uniforms, well, it turns out that there's toxins in these uniforms that is causing things from everything from um, breast milk to turn purple. These women are scarred. They're getting sick and they are getting sicker because they're in confined areas where they sweat and they're gas, these uniforms are gassing. And we're, we really are, we're talking closely with them to try to get some traction on this. It's, this, isn't, this isn't just, I might get itchy from the stuff this is there's some bad stuff in in clothing that needs to be regulated and i think what we'd like to do is work with us and see if we can make action in dc on some regulation or some self-regulation i've also worked on some initiatives that have ended up in self-regulation and that's also been helpful to help set the standards so it's it we don't want to bite the world off because it's going to be too big to go from over a thousand to you know 37 to over a thousand but what are the key ones that most industries face that we can make the biggest impact with and align with other industries and say, okay, let's, let's agree to not do these 100 and start there and then build from there. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and, and honestly, I think a lot of our sciences, it just hasn't been a huge focus in the country. You know, the, this type of scientific research that's done in other countries, we, we, we just haven't been that focused on it over the last, you know, 10, 15 years. Do you think that, because of the pandemic, like uh, we're seeing other, like the environmental factors of pollution kind of going down because we're not driving our cars. So do you think that once we kind of get through this initial phase, that might be a more prime time to bring up some of these things with, with Congress of like this, these are other ways that um, the choices that we're letting our industries be able to make are affecting our, our personal health and well-being. Yes, because I, I think I, you're, you're hitting exactly where I think this is heading, and I really, really do hope it's heading, is that, that we're starting to become more aware of the reality of, of what we're doing to our environment and the impacts it can have on us and, and other creatures in the environment. That awareness, I think, is going to allow people to start opening that dialogue in a more productive way, because we're seeing really quick um, changes because of this. There's a silver lining in here because, you know, when people are actually seeing physical change to our ecosystem, you can't deny that. You can't deny, you know, we've been talking about climate change and, um, you know, pollution control for forever, but saying, oh, yes, we won't leave a world for our children or we won't. This, it always felt so far out that I don't think people worried about it, given the press of other things. I think it's here. Um, I think the interconnectivity of our world is here. There isn't a reason why a regulation in one country shouldn't be a regulation in another, um, especially when there's empirical evidence. So it gives us a real platform to, to talk about it. I don't think now is the time to do it. I, I would like to really make sure our company has built the, you know, set the table for the dialogue um, with others. And hopefully we go and we go in mass and we talk about it in a way that's doable. Um, you don't want to go in, like I said, and start, 
you know, pounding the table for a thousand bands and suddenly we have clothing shortages and that's not the way to do it. The way to do it is to stack rank what's really, really dangerous and go after that and see where it is common. But I think dialogue, it has to be open. Politics aside, in my view, this would be a wonderful bipartisan effort is to go after safety. You know, let, let's figure out how do we make our environment safer for us on all levels, um, whether that be our overall ecosystem or whether it be things like as simple as the choices you're making and what you're putting on your body and in your body. And I think if we can get other industries aligned with that, that that's a really big part of our mission. You know, going it alone is great and we're willing to do it, but we're all in the same boat. We're all suffering the same things from this. We need to fix it and we need to fix it together. I, you are, I'm, everything you're saying makes me so happy because I have been saying forever, we are interconnected. We should have the same, like these borders are really social constructs. Yes. Um, when we focus on humanity, because we are human, then we're focusing on the right things. Mm -hmm. And I find it so interesting that with, with these few short weeks that we've been, you know, on shutdown or whatever you call it, stay at home, and the amount of change in our environment, there is no refuting the scientific, um, the scientific evidence, mm -hmm. especially with the such a quick re retreat uh, of right. the environment. And one of the interesting things that you are throwing out there is I never consider what I put on my body. I don't, I just want to cover up my midsection, you know, like, <laughs> you know, well, you I assume just wanna... it's safe, right? You yeah. And it's... I assume it's safe. And mm -hmm. I would have never thought that my bras could cause me to be ill. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's my bra that's making me lethargic. <laughs> You never know. And that's the, I mean, it, that's, that is the scary part. It's, um, you know, it, 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 it's, it's been more, and I don't know if it's just a matter of we consider maybe our skin and our faces a, a little bit more near and dear to us because it's something everybody sees. So we're very conscious of, you know, the movement on cosmetics has been relatively fast in terms of, of you know, started with animal testing, moved into the safety of the ingredients, natural organics, all that good stuff, um, you know, that, that we are, it's become part of our parlance in a short period of time. I'm hoping we can do the same thing on the clothing, especially the stuff on the first layer. If you start at the most porous part of somebody's body, you know, that, that, that is exactly where we need to be. And I think women are particularly vulnerable because of just the way we're built. So, you know, I, th I think, that, I think I couldn't be more excited about coming in at this time and the opportunity because it is the time, pivotal time to make a difference, I think on so many levels. And again, join a lot of issues together that need to be pulled together. They don't, they don't operate in isolation, they just don't. It's part of a larger you know, issue of us needing to be much more aware and protective of our, our wellness, whatever that entails. You know, whether it's pollution, whether it's you know, toxins in what you're drinking, it's, it's all of these things, I think that awareness just went from you know, 10% to 80 in most people, which will be great, I think, for everybody. It's going to put a lot of pressure on a lot of industries, which is wonderful. And it's overdue. Exactly. Because I think I think there's an assumption, too, with people around, like, the organic versus natural. And what are the, or the um, regulations around what is technically natural mm -hmm. is very interesting. But then also, like, oh, I pay more. So that means it must be safer for me. Right. And that that whole piece around how do you educate people around price point 
sometimes makes a difference, sometimes doesn't, but also just like how things, what you should be looking for on your labels. I think it's a big one too. It is. And I, I think along with that, you know, one of the things when we were working on the advertising to kids and obesity issue back in the, the mid 2000s is we had been recommending as an industry um, a lot of media literacy efforts, which have now resurfaced a bit with, with so much social media, which I'm, I'm thrilled to see. But really discerning, you know, what is when somebody makes a claim, how do you really objectively prove that people don't take the time we're a fast moving very fast moving society. If it says organic on the box, sometimes you'll throw it in versus, versus not. Um, and I remember going through a lot of litigation in the food industry over organic claims because some companies actually had the mindset, I'll put it on there, even though it may not be organic or it doesn't necessarily meet a standard um, or it's natural um, and, and you know, standards came out of the, this type of litigation. But they would put it on there, get the sale and say, I'll deal with the regulatory issue later. That's the wrong way to look at it. And we want to get out there ahead of it and say, we would like to set the regulatory standard. We would love to see a definition for clean clothing. That's a regulated definition. And it may not be, it may not be the perfect one that we want, but it's one that we can build on over time. And we can start winnowing out some of the companies that are saying their products are clean or natural or undyed. Um, you know, there's just ways that chemicals interact with each other. You could have something that looks perfectly safe on its own, but you put a coloring in it and suddenly it turns into something else. There needs to be, it's a complicated process and we need to be thinking about it, not just in little pieces like that, but more holistically. And I, I'm really excited about this opportunity to do that. It's, it's pretty rare you get to be, you know, with a company that that is the mission, is the change and the product is our solution. And that's, it's, it's, a, it's a once in a lifetime opportunity. I'm just so thrilled to be part of it. I want to thank you so much for, I'm sure this conversation was very different than what you thought it was going to be. And I, I think that it. it's so much bigger. It's such a bigger mission, exactly to your point. It's such a bigger mission than you're trying to accomplish within the company besides just, you know, developing and selling apparel, uh, intimates apparel mm -hmm. to right. women. And so thank you so much for sharing mm -hmm. all this with us. Um, and I, I can't wait to try on my bra. Yes. And, uh, and we will get the code out and yes, definitely give it a try. Um, I, I think you'll, you'll really like it. And uh, we're so happy that you're helping us with our mission. I mean, just having the opportunity to raise this issue. Uh, if, if 10 people hear it and start thinking about it, that's a win. So I'm really, I'm really thrilled. I really appreciate you guys having us on here. Let me know when your extended sizes come into play. <laughs> I absolutely will. But you, yeah, we'll, we'll, we can talk offline. I can, I can tell you. What I we love have. it. <laughs> And I'm really looking forward to you talking to you again in a couple months so that we can see how things are evolving. Because even though um, we're in a shutdown, things are moving fast still. Like, mm -hmm. like the culture is changing, everything's moving. So I'm really excited to touch base with you again in a few months time. I think that'll be great. And I'll, um, I'll definitely let you guys know when I'm official, um, you know, awesome. on, on all my <laughs> extricating from the current role, all that good stuff. <laughs> awesome. So. Cool. All right, we've been talking to Tammy Meyer from Vibrant. Thank you so much. Thank you. Bye, guys. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Lady Business Podcast. Please make sure to go and like our pages on Facebook and Instagram at Lady Business Pod and head on over to our website, ladybusinesspod.com. And you can always subscribe to us and like us and, oh, make sure to review 
our podcasts on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Pandora, and you can always ask Alexa to play the Lady Business Pod on Apple Podcasts. <laughs>